Apparently, Pastor Tommy and I got together. We wrote this, we wrote this message. We got it all together, right? Apparently, we ticked off the devil, right? This morning, I'm leaving work up in, like, ball ground, like, Canary. You guys know where that is? It's up 575, and then you keep going, all right? So it's, it's up there. It's almost to Jasper, all right? So I'm up there. I noticed my truck is making, like, a funny noise. I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, it's a truck. It's 2005, you know, I'll figure it out later. Get to driving on my way home on 575, the truck pings out overheating, starts spewing antifreeze everywhere and smoking and whatnot. So I pull off 575, trying to figure out what it is. Apparently the water pump exploded, all right? Antifreeze all over the place. Call a tow truck. By this time, it's, I think, 1.30. They tell me, okay, no problem. We'll have somebody out to you by 2.30. Okay, cool. No problem. I'll wait, you know? I was already supposed to be here by 2 o'clock for worship practice. Shout out to Frankie for filling in for me because I was going to play bass as well. But that didn't work out. So he covered for me, all right? So I'm sitting in the truck, waiting on this tow truck. 2.30 rolls around. 2.45 rolls around. I get a call. Oh, we're so sorry that we couldn't come pick you up yet. The, the truck driver got stuck at a bad accident, two exits down, 575, and couldn't get to me. Oh, okay, okay. We're gonna send somebody else out to you that's you know, finishing up one now. He's not gonna make it to you for another 30 minutes. Hmm, okay, okay, so it's you know, about three o'clock now. 3.30 rolls around, I get another call. Guy says, oh, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm right here. I'm just an exit or two down, you know, 3.30. Normally, I'm supposed to be here about four o'clock. He gets there, gets the truck on, gets my truck on his truck. You know, we get ready to go. We sit in his truck and he says, listen, I've got to wait on a check from another driver. Like, I don't mean to inconvenience you, but there's another truck driver coming and like he has a check that I need for the next job that I'm going to. They were buying a car from somebody or whatever, right? So I'm like, okay, you know, I'm trying to be cool, trying to be, you know, Christ-like, trying to just, you know, like roll with the punches. And I'm like, okay, that's cool, man, no worries. You know, we'll wait. We wait another 30 minutes, this truck comes, brings a check, we're finally on our way. We're going from Town Lake, I live in Powder Springs, all right? So you basically get on Barrett Parkway and keep going from 575. Normally that drive will take me 25 to 30 minutes from Town Lake to my house in my car. We're in a big truck, okay? I mean a big truck. And I understand it's not the dude's fault. He's going like 40 miles an hour the whole way there. So it takes us another 45 minutes to get to my house, right? I get to my house, it's four o'clock now. I get to my house, my wife isn't there with the car I need to take. She went to the grocery store. She told me she was going to the grocery store. I just, I made assumptions that she would be back by then. And anyways, it's neither here nor there, okay? So I get there and I'm thinking, you know what? This is great, I'll take a shower, you know? Cause I was gonna come here dirty, you know? I was gonna make it work. I was gonna be here, guys, you know? I was gonna come here dirty, non-shaven, you know? I would've wore this, but you might've smelt me from the first or second row, you know? So I get to take a shower and everything, I get to shave, I get in the car and I rush here. I literally make it in, there are like one song from being done with worship in junior high. I get my PowerPoint to the guys in the back, right? So needless to say, the devil was trying to stop me from coming here, but I don't understand the word quit, right? <laughs> I don't know what that means. I can't quit, you know? That's not, that's not in my vocabulary. That's not something that I do. It's not something that I exercise or that I believe in. So I need you guys with the same level of enthusiasm or energy, I need you here with me. You guys here? Yeah. I know you're physically here, but I need you mentally. I need you spiritually, all right? So listen, if somebody starts talking, to you, talk, talking around you, talking next to you, whatever, shush them. Pinch them, 
flick them, do whatever you do. Don't break skin, okay? Because that ain't on me. You, you break skin, that's on you, okay? But in all, in all seriousness, shush them, do whatever you need to do. We're going to be brief tonight, so give me 100% of your, uh, your, of your attention, and we'll see exactly what the Lord wants to teach us tonight. You guys ready? No questions? No, what? what? No questions. I'll be quick. No, no questions. Oh, you thought I was joking. Okay, sorry. Sorry. So, no, I'll be, I'll, it's be real fast. All right, we're going to get through this, and then we're going to go into our small groups for discussion. So tonight we're going to be talking about being marked by God, being marked by the Father, being a son and daughter of God, all right? So let's pray, and we're going to dive right into this. Father, I thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're a good father, and that you look after us as sons and daughters, Lord. And so tonight, as we learn about being marked by you, I pray that we would walk out of this place different people. Holy Spirit, move me out of the way. Do exactly what it is that you need to do as we learn from the great teacher himself. Amen. Amen. So we're in Dr. Luke still. I know you guys are probably ready to be out of Dr. Luke. But we are in chapter 20, all right? So the end is in sight. The horizon is close, okay? So chapter 20, there's 24 chapters. We got four more in Dr. Luke, and then we'll be moving on and changing it up a little bit. So in chapter 20, we've got like six topics that Jesus talks about. We're not going to really talk about five of them, but I'm going to skim over them, and then uh, we're going to park on that second one there. So the first one, Jesus' authority is challenged. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, you guys know who those guys are? No? Okay, so they're the teachers of the law. These, these people, they were essentially part of the Jewish community. They had learned the Bible. They knew the Bible back and forth, at least the Old Testament, because the New Testament hadn't been written yet. They knew it back and forth. They knew the law. They, they were kind of puffed up, and Jesus talked about them a lot. Um, and kind of warned against the things that they believed and did and practiced in public. So they challenge his authority. They're trying to catch Jesus in this kind of lie. They're trying to catch him in his words so that they can find a way to arrest him or kill him or get rid of him. They're trying to get rid of him. So they say, hey, why are you doing these things? Who gives you this authority to preach and teach and heal? He basically asks, answers them with a question. And, of course, you know, they're kind of like, well, like, what, I, don't really, I don't really know what's going on. So Jesus kind of just brushes them off, essentially. Next topic is the parable of the wicked tenants, and we're going to get into that in a minute. Next, Jesus talks about paying taxes, okay? The long and the short of it is pay your taxes. That's what he says, all right? <laughs> give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Next, he talks about resurrection and marriage. And, again, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are trying to catch him. In a, in a lie. They're trying to catch him contradicting the law. And so essentially they ask him, hey, in heaven will people be married? Jesus says no. End of story. Next, uh, Jesus talks about his lineage. He talks about being the son of God and, uh, and kind of really just tells him exactly who he is and he brings his identity to these people. And then lastly, he gives us a warning against these scribes and teachers, which is also another name for the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And I find it funny because Jesus is so bold to say this in hearing of these people. They're close enough to hear it because at the end of the chapter, we see them start to plot against him to try and get rid of him. And so Jesus, from the beginning, was bold about exactly who he is. And hopefully tonight we can get some hope and inspiration to be just as bold as he is. You guys ready for that? Amen. So that second topic that we're going to be talking about tonight, the parable of the wicked tenants, starts in verse 9. Let's jump in. 
He went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers, and went away for a long time. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants, so they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one also they beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He sent still a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Turn to your neighbor and say, cold-blooded. Cold-blooded. These runners are not playing games. Verse 13, then the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? I will send my son, whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. They have no chill. They beat the first three up, and then they killed the son. To what end are they going to go? Jesus then asked the question, what then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Sounds like Liam Neeson. That's what I thought of. Taken. All over. Oh, really? You're going to do that to my son? Okay. Okay. I might not have a whole lot of money. I might not have a whole lot of things, but I've got skills. <laughs> so the father, the father is coming to take care of him. So as Jesus is telling this story, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they see this story and they realize it is about them. They freak out. When the people heard this, they said, God forbid. Jesus looked directly at them, again with boldness, and asked, then what is the meaning of that which is written? He quotes Psalms 118, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. There's another sermon there. We're going to leave that alone for tonight. <laughs> Verse 19, the teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them, but they were afraid of the people. Often Jesus speaks in these stories, he tells these stories to teach us lessons, and sometimes it's hard to, to discern exactly where we fit into it. So we're going to break this down and see exactly where we might fit. When you read this passage, there are a couple of questions, at least that came to my mind as you're reading through this. Like, why did they beat the servants up? That's just disrespectful. You know, like, why would they do that? Why did they kill the son? What was their reasoning behind it? What were they after? What did they want? And the more important question that we're kind of, that we're going to stick on tonight, what was the difference between the servants and the son? Why did they only beat the servants and kill the son? Seems a little bit extreme. Now, I'm going to give you the answer here in a minute, but I want to see if some of you guys can come up with it on your own. So raise your hand if you got an idea of why they would have beat the servants and killed the son. Because the servants are not worth as much as the sons. That's one. Anybody else? Okay. Okay, so he's the next in line. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Okay. 
Okay, so that we're trying to hurt the father. That's pretty good. We're getting, we're getting warmer. Because the son means more to the father than anybody else. We're warm. We're warm. I'm going to go ahead and, and drop what I believe to be the answer. They killed the son because he was the heir. They weren't mad at the son. They had no qualms with the son. They had no problem with the son. It was the father that they were rejecting. So when they saw the son, they saw the father. See, most of us in here, our last names come from our father, right? We bear the mark of the father, Jeremy Skeet, Theodore Skeet. So when people present us or we are presented, there is the mark of our father there with us. And just in the same way, this son, when he came with the mark of the father, they saw the father and they said, no, we don't like you. We don't like this. And so they killed him. They cut him out altogether. How many of you guys have felt some rejection before? It's okay to be honest. It's church. I have. I've been there before. I've been pushed out. One of the times that I remember specifically, and I've kind of told you guys this story before, the group of friends that I hung out with here at 5979, we were involved in everything. We were involved in drama. We were involved in worship. We were in servant leadership. All, all that jazz. We were all hanging out together. Tragic accident happened. We all grieved the wrong way. We fall into sin, each and every one of us, together, pushing each other towards it. It was terrible, okay? One night, we're sitting here in youth. Holy Spirit convicts me. Clear cut. It says, why are, you, why, why are you acting this way? What changed? Obviously, God doesn't ask questions for information, right? So obviously the answer came to me. The Holy Spirit obviously helped me along there. Nothing had changed. He hadn't changed. It was me that had changed. It was my circumstances that have changed. But it was me that had removed myself from his presence. That had stopped acting like a son. Sobering, sobering revelation. I decided to change my life because I wanted more. And as I did that, I started to lose these friends. They didn't want to call me up on the weekend anymore. They didn't want me hanging out with them anymore. And I let them fall to the wayside, honestly. I was completely okay with that because I wanted something different. Because I wanted to be a son again. You guys get that? And so as that happened, they pushed me out, they rejected me, and I was completely okay with it. And I came to the realization, obviously, that we're different, right? We sang the song earlier, I am a child of God. Just like Pastor Tommy was talking about, if you believe the words that you sing, you are a child of God. You're a son or you're a daughter of God. And when we act like it, the world does not like it. I've got one answer to the question of what to do when you feel rejected. It's a simple answer, and it's going to go on the top of your hand out there. Embrace it. Embrace it. Wear it like a badge almost. You guys see me wearing this Misfit shirt. I talk about them a lot, the Social Club Misfits. You guys heard their music before in here. I know Kevin knows about them and everything. The whole movement that they're pushing is that as sons and daughters of God, we are different than the world around us. And so we're going to be misfits. And instead of, that, that, instead of letting that be a negative, 
but letting that be a mark against us. Let's wear it like a flag. Let's wear it like a brand, like a t-shirt. Let it encourage you that you're not supposed to be the same as everybody else around you. You're supposed to be different, and it's okay. Embrace it. It might sound weird for me to tell you to embrace being a reject. Nobody wants to be called a reject. That's not a nice word. Nobody wants to be called a misfit. Two simple reasons why it is okay to embrace the rejection. Number one, it's not personal. It's not at all personal. They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting the Father. They're rejecting the image that they see coming in front of them. It's not necessarily you that they don't like. It's not what you wear or how you talk or what you like or what you don't like, the music that you're into. It's the God in you. That song comes to mind. It's cheesy, I know. You guys know which one I'm talking about, the Mary Mary song. It's the God in me. I don't know why. It's been in my head for the last few days now. It's the God in you that they're rejecting. It is not you. It is because of the Father that they rejected the Son. And it is the same with us. They're not rejecting you. Embrace your rejection. Check out what John 15, 18 says. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. You don't belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. I have marked you as special amongst all these other people. I have chosen you out of the world. You have been marked by the Father, and that is why they reject you. The second reason to embrace your rejection is that Jesus tells us that as sons and daughters, we will become cornerstones. Cornerstones. You guys know what that is? Know what a cornerstone is? It's not a word that's often used in our time. Now we would call it a foundation. Essentially, in ancient times when Jesus was walking the earth as man, they would find these stones to make the foundation for buildings, houses, temples, and such. And they would find the most solid, the strongest rock, a lot of times the biggest rock, the truest rock to make the foundation of the building. And everything else will be built upon that cornerstone. As sons and daughters of God, because we consider ourselves children of God, correct? We sang it. I sang it and I meant it. If Jesus calls himself the son of God and we consider ourselves sons of God and the Bible calls us sons of God, of God, then essentially we can have the same things that Jesus had, correct? That makes sense. The Bible calls us co-heirs with Christ. In other words, we inherit the same things that Jesus can inherit. The promises that God gives Jesus are ours to hold as well. So you and I will become the cornerstone. The cornerstone of that house or the foundation of that house is the most important part of the house, right? Without it, the rest of the house is going to fall or it's going to lean to the side a little bit or it's going to be easily blown over. So in this promise that you and I can find encouragement in, Jesus is telling us that he's going to take us to a place of importance. He's saying, I have chosen you out of the world and I'm going to put you here. I'm going to elevate you here because you are my son, because you are my daughter. 
I love that. That fires me up. I don't know about you guys. Check out what 1 Peter 2.9 says. I, I love this verse. You guys might have heard it before. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. The Bible says it. We consider the Bible truth, correct? So if it tells you that you are something, then it means that you are that, you are that thing. It says here that you are God's special possession. He has chosen you out of this world. We're not supposed to be the same. We're supposed to be misfits. We're supposed to be different. We're going to be rejected. It is going to happen. If you haven't faced rejection now, I don't mean to speak negative over you, but it is going to happen because of the God in you. And it's okay. It is all right. It's going to happen. I have to say this. <clears throat> Sometimes up here in worship, I kind of just, I people watch, right? I know it sounds weird, but listen, I'm a small group leader. I can gauge, just like Pastor Tommy said, I can gauge where you're at spiritually by your posture. So just let that sink in, all right, when you're up here fooling around in worship. All right, so sometimes in worship, I'll stand back here by this pillar, and I'll look over in this corner, and I'm sure some of the, girl lead the ladies' leaders do it as well, and you'll see one guy up here in the corner going after it. Hands raised. He's dancing. He might have the the foot jig going, he might, he's going at it, right? He loves the Lord and he wants to show everybody. And then you'll have a group of people, sometimes they're standing here, sometimes they're over here, and it feels like I'm pointing you out, I probably am. They're, and sometimes they stand here and they're like this, and they're watching this dude and they're like, hey bro, you see this dude over here? Hey man, you see his leg shake? What is he doing? What is this guy doing? What is, what is going on? You're gonna make fun of somebody because they love God? What? If that is you over there in the corner, keep doing you. God loves it, and I love it. He considers that special to him. You keep doing you. Embrace the rejection. If they make fun of you, keep doing it. Do it even more. Dance, sweat if you need to. Keep going. Embrace the rejection. We're not supposed to be the same. And if it's you laughing and making fun of them, I would encourage you to take a page from their book. I've been both places. I know what it's like. What I had to do is I had to separate myself. I had to come over here. Or I had to come stand in the back and worship. So I didn't have people looking at me. Because the opinion of people is powerful, correct? You don't have to worry about rejection back there. Nobody can see you. Go ahead and worship. So I encourage you, I implore you, be different. Don't be that guy. If I can get the leaders to go ahead and come up here. So tonight, my objective was to encourage you if you felt rejection, if you felt the resistance of the world as you've changed, as you've realized that you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God, and the world kind of pushed you out, said they didn't want you, made you feel even alone. Well, tonight, I pray there was hope and restoration for you and inspiration, encouragement to go out of these doors, changed people. Before you leave tonight, 
and we're going to go into small groups here in a little bit and discuss. I've got a stamp. I want to put it on your hand. I might do it. Pastor Tony might do it. Somebody's going to stamp your hand before you leave. Don't leave without it. I want this to stay on your hand for a couple of days. I had to tell junior high, listen, take a shower, boys. Don't not wash your body because of, because of a stamp. But I want you to see, and, and one of them had the audacity to argue with me, like, oh, no, I take showers like I haven't been 13 before. It was interesting. So take the stamp, and I want you to, when you look at it, I want you to remember that you're marked by the Father, that you bear the name of the Father. And as such, you can have the same things that Christ has and did. You can go out there and heal because of the Father in you. You can go out there and change your situation because of the Father in you. So remember, you're marked by the Father. If everybody can stand with me. And as you do, close your eyes for me. There's a couple of groups of people in here tonight. Some of us, we felt the sting of rejection and it hurt. And it stayed with us. Almost like a wound. And you haven't healed the right way. You feel alone. You feel pushed out. Even by yourself, singled out. Tonight, I want to encourage you that you're not alone. I've been pushed out. I've been rejected. I consider myself a misfit. I consider myself marked by the Father. If that's you tonight, can I get you to raise your hand for me? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Praise God. If that's you that raised your hand, I want to ask you to do something bold. We've got our leaders up here, and they're ready to pray. They're chomping at the bit. I'd love for you to step out of your aisle and come down here and pray with one of these leaders that they might encourage you. They might pray healing over your soul and over your heart. And then they might encourage you to get a fire inside of your bones. You walk out of this place of misfit. Somebody changed, somebody marked by his presence. There's another group in here tonight. You have no idea what I've been talking about. You don't know who Jesus is. You don't know what he did. Being marked by the Father makes no sense to you. If you have no understanding of the gospel, or if you want to know more about Jesus, also come up here. Ask one of these leaders. Ask all the questions you can, that you can think of. And let's see if we can't figure some things out together. The last group of people I want to talk to in here tonight, I've been there before with you. At one point, you acted like a son or a daughter of God. But now things are, things are different. The people around you, their opinion matter a little bit more to you. So you haven't been acting like a son or a daughter. You let the fear of rejection guide your way. If that's you in this place tonight, I would charge you, encourage you, beg you even to come up here and pray with a leader. You don't even necessarily have to pray with a leader. Come up here to the altar. Repent. Run to him. Come back to him. Start acting like a son or daughter again. I'm going to pray us out. And then if you guys can just remain seated for a little while before we dismiss for discussion groups. Father, I thank you that you're a good, good father. You consider us sons and daughters, co-heirs with Christ, that we might have the beautiful blessings that Jesus talks about, the promises in your word. So tonight as we realize that we're sons and daughters and decide to act like it, Lord God, 
accept our rejection, and embrace that you are a good, good father. Lord, let us walk out of this place changed people, ready to take this world by storm. It is in your precious son's name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.